Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. So glad that you're with us as always. I uh, want to apologize to the, uh, oh man, I'm going to mess up this last name here, D- the Della Regis family. Did I get that right? I'm sorry. Uh, this is John, Irene, Charlotte, and Chloe, uh, friends from Australia. And they sent me this or gave me this postcard from the Australia Zoo. See that picture of Steve Irwin? Missed that guy. And the uh, crocodile there. I've actually been and seen these crocodiles. It's amazing. So uh, John, Irene, Charlotte, and Chloe, thank you for that postcard. And I'm sorry, it was buried in the bottom of my computer bag. So I'm just getting to it now. But uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. We are in Jeremiah chapter number nine, uh, if you are following along. And a brand new chapter. And we're we're still more of the same. Uh, Jeremiah is lamenting the destruction, the coming destruction of the nation of Judah, who has essentially just turned her back on the Lord, has stopped her ears uh, to the Lord's rebukes uh, in her life. And now it seems as if the only way that uh, she will listen is through the painful uh, process of punishment. And that's 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 a hard school to learn at, isn't it? So here we are, Jeremiah chapter number one, uh, chapter number nine, rather, verse number one, where uh, Jeremiah says, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for for the slain of the daughter of my people. So it's almost as if Jeremiah is getting this picture of the future. He's hearing the judgment of God. And unlike the nation, who doesn't believe Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah is poised at the gate of the temple. Jeremiah is speaking the words of the Lord. No one believes him. They'd rather believe the pampered message of the other prophets. Peace, peace. But Jeremiah, of course, knows that these messages are from the Lord. Jeremiah knows that these messages are the truth. And so it's really a double pain because not only does he know it's it, that his message is a message of judgment that will come to God's people, uh, but he but he knows that the people aren't listening, and that secures that judgment. It's it's so sad because Jeremiah is sensing and feeling ahead of time what the people are going to suffer, and it's like he's watching this slow moving freight train, and nothing can stop it. it there's an inevitability to it, and Jeremiah weeps. And he weeps ahead of the judgment. Sometimes the only time we weep is after the judgment comes. That's a bad time to weep. Much better to weep ahead of time, to see the judgment of God, to see the the way by which we have violated the will of God and repent early. That judgment might be avoided. But Jeremiah here, I think on behalf of the people that won't weep, weeps for them. Oh, that my head were water, that my eyes were a fountain. Uh, that I could cry night and day. I don't have enough tears to cry. I don't have enough time to cry, says Jeremiah. What a 
What a picture. Verse number two, oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they are all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. So in the first verse, Jeremiah is like, all I can do is weep for these people, this inevitability of judgment that's coming. But then in verse number two, he says, and I wish I could just get a hotel room outside of town and just be among strangers because I can't bear to even be around God's people because their blatant sinful behavior is a constant reminder to me of the fact that our God is grieved, a constant reminder to me that they will be judged for this behavior and far better for me just to get away from it all. I just wish I weren't here. I wish I didn't have to see it. I wish I didn't have to talk about it. I wish I didn't have to preach against it. I wish I could just be in a hotel room in the middle of nowhere is what he's saying. It's the same heart that Habakkuk expressed in Habakkuk chapter one when he said, uh, my I just see this burden. And Lord, why? Why why are you letting me see this? I wish I didn't have to see this. He's just pained by the future judgment. He's pained by the present status of God's people living in sin. Does, does sinful behavior bother you? It ought to bother you. It ought to bother us as we look at a world that just has turned its back on God. It ought to bother us. It ought to bother us most in our own life. And Jeremiah is bothered by this. Verse number three, and they bend their tongues. He goes on to describe the kind of sin and examples of sin in which God's people are involved. And he says in verse three, they bend their tongues like their bow for lies. What a metaphor. It's like their mouth is a bow and arrow. And when they are about to speak, it's like they're pulling back a bow to launch an arrow, to hurt, to destroy, uh, to, to be weaponized. They're using their words like they're weapons. In what way? Well, look at what it says. They, they, they use them as lies. They're not valiant for the truth upon the earth. So there's this purposeful deceit on the part of God's people. We've talked about this already where they're just saying things that aren't true, not, not just in the religious sphere, but in their business dealings with each other, uh, in their relationships, they're breaking covenant. They're not being faithful in their marriages. They're not being faithful to their responsibilities. They're not being faithful and honest in their business dealings. And nobody can trust anybody. And the Bible says here, they, they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil just seems like they go from one wrong thing to another. Just seems like they go, they go from one lie to another. And that's the way lies work, by the way. When you tell a lie and then have to cover that lie, you have to lie to cover your lie. Look at what it says in verse uh, the end of verse three. And they know not me, saith the Lord. You might say that that's really the root problem. The root problem is that they know not me. This is the Hebrew word yada. Sometimes you've heard yada, 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 right? That means no. And not no in the sense of I know about God, but no in the sense of I know God. I know him. I have an experiential, relational knowledge of God. And the Bible says here that one of the reasons why they so readily go from evil to evil, 
One of the reasons why they so readily lie and even purposefully deceive is because they don't have any real relationship with God. I find a parallel passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where the Bible says that fornication or sexual sin is, is born out of a lack of knowledge and relationship with God. Even as the Gentiles, Paul said, that know not me. So when we know the Lord, when we walk with the Lord, uh, then uh, the Lord uh, works in our lives and we want to please him and we want his spirit to control us. And really that's what it means to walk in the spirit. As we have a relationship with God, then holiness and righteousness and the other fruit of the spirit begin to manifest themselves as a byproduct of a relationship of knowing God. And the Bible says here, here they know not God. So it should not surprise us when their behavior and their words don't reflect God. I'm I'm not going to be mistaken as a follower of God if I don't know him. I'm not going to act like him if I don't know him. I'm not going to be influenced by him if I don't know him. And that's what's happening here. Verse number four, take ye heed. Beware of this, every one of his uh, every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and to supplant means here to to deceive. Remember, uh, the name Jacob in the Bible means a deceiver or a supplanter, and remember, it was Jacob that was known for his deception, uh, deceiving his brother Esau out of that blessing when he lied and said that he was Esau and put on that costume and made himself to be Esau, he was a liar. And remember, in that one lie, he had to tell many other lies in the course of that conversation just to cover his one lie. That's what's happening here. In in many ways, what Jeremiah is saying is, you're acting just like your forefathers, like Jacob. Now, they should be acting like Israel, the prince of God. Remember, that was Jacob's new name after he got right and God did a work of grace in his life. But no, they're not acting like the new man. They're acting like the old man, the supplanter. And it says here, and every neighbor will uh, will walk with slanders. So uh, Jeremiah is, is tongue in cheek saying, don't trust anybody. You can't trust your neighbor. You can't trust your brother. You can't trust your, your friend. Uh, everybody is lying. Everybody is deceptive. Everybody is in it for himself. Verse number five, and, and they will deceive everyone, his neighbor. Now think about that word neighbor. I mean, the word neighbor ought to resonate with us as Bible believers because that, that's, that's the second commandment. The first commandment is love God, but loving God is is evidenced by the way that we love others. So love your neighbor as yourself. But they are not loving their neighbor. Uh, They are taking advantage of their neighbor. They're not loving their neighbor and thereby not loving God. They don't know God. They don't love their neighbor. In just those two statements, they are defying the very essence of the law of God, which finds context in loving God and, and loving and serving your neighbor. So the Bible says they will deceive everyone his neighbor, and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies, but they've learned how to lie. Uh, They've become better liars. The more they've done it, the better they are at it and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Uh, they, They will work hard at their sin. They will work hard at their rebellion against God. 
Uh, the way of the transgressors is hard, the Bible says. And that's what's happening here. How very, very sad. And can I just say that one's words and one's honesty are probably the best indication of one's heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And uh, James said, above all things, swear not, uh, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Uh, James said, the most important thing I'll tell you in my letter is keep your word. Uh, keep your word. Be honest. And yet we find anything but that here in Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 5. Last verse I'll read, verse 6. Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit. But you live in this world. You, you live in the world of lying and deceit and half-truth and uh, superficiality and, and cosmetics and say one thing and do another. Or make people think I'm, I'm what I'm not. You live in the habitation in the midst of deceit. Through deceit, they refuse to know me, saith the Lord. There's our theme. Through deceit, they refuse to know me. Now, they would rather just play the game. They would rather just shortcut their success. They would rather take advantage of others than to really repent, to really delve into the word of God to really from a heart level get to know the God of the universe who can change them from the inside out and manifest his character in and through their lives. How sad that they're choosing such a cheap alternative. Goes back to chapter two, where the Bible says that they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. What a horrible trade that is and it still is today so we'll stop there in verse number six hope you'll join us again the next episode we'll jump into verse number seven and i hope you'll join us for that thank you for listening and god bless you my friends thanks for taking time to listen if you enjoy everyday truth go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend until next time god bless